Hi, everyone. I'm Anita Lustria, and for many years I did live radio. Then I transitioned to the podcast world where I feel I found my home. I love talking about spiritual formation, justice issues, and spiritual practices. Throw in the Enneagram, movies, and current events from time to time, and that's what you get on the podcast. I'm glad you've come along for the ride. Welcome to Faith Conversations. Well, I am excited, everyone, as this is the inaugural Faith Conversations podcast of the fall season. I've taken a little tiny break in August. Really, I just went to a couple podcasts instead of one every Monday, but this is the relaunch of our next season, and this would be, wow, the seventh year of Faith Conversations. That's sort of shocking to me. And maybe to some of you who have been with me from the beginning, I'm so glad. And I'm extremely excited because uh, this edition of Faith Conversations has Dr. Allison Cook as my guest. I'm always glad when Allison is on the podcast. And I have to tell you that her new book, The Best of You, Break Free from Painful Patterns, Mend Your Past and Discover Your True Self in God, uh, has been a book that I have not been able to put down. And I read little portions of books all the time as I get ready for podcasts and do some devotional reading, this, that, and the other thing. I have not been able to put this one down. I'm just saying that a second time. So you know that. So if you are unfamiliar with Dr. Allison Cook, she is a psychologist, speaker, and a writer who helps women become comfortable in their own skin and fully alive uh, to live out their God-given potential. Um, I, she is passionate about helping women. That's definitely where my heart is. That's expanded to men. So you're welcome. I know I've got a lot of male listeners, but um, that's really where my heart was when I worked for Moody Radio with Midday Connection. I still have such a heart for women um, that are on the faith journey, um, but I'm so glad uh, that you're with us today. And so Allison, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much, Anita. I always love being with you. Well, I feel like I've rambled on a little bit here at the beginning because I am excited to have you, num number one, to have you back and very um, excited. I guess that is the word about the content of, uh, of this new book and the content of this book. One of the things that I didn't mention and that I do want to mention is you're someone that I love following on social media. There's a lot of junk that's out there, but I am a faithful Instagram follower of yours and you... Um, I don't know if you post daily, it seems like it, but you post fantastic things daily that I'm very often uh, sharing with friends and others in that format. Um, talk about talk about the ministry of social media before we get to this book. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard it called that. And I'm going to remember that because I like thinking of it that way. I, I do sometimes think, to, I've gotten into a pretty good relationship. We also have a relationship with social media where I've learned, took a little while how to just put stuff out there without worrying too much about all the things. And um, I enjoy just capturing thoughts and it's a way to write and get things out there. Um, and I, I do, I just try to pray like today, you know, with just as you, you prayed before we started this podcast, I just try to pray with every little thing you're putting out into the world in these new ways. You don't even know sometimes who's being reached. Right. 
And there's something kind of cool about that. I also know that the ministry of my family and the ministry of my neighborhood and the ministry of my community always has to be my first priority. But I do think some of these techie ways of just kind of being present in the world are, are kind of cool, you know, ways that God can work too. I'm with you. Uh, often we'll talk about social media as life draining and it can mm-hmm. be that mm-hmm. we yes. engage with it, um, you know, inappropriately or length of time that is too long or whatever, you know, fill in the blank. But um, for me, Instagram has turned into my fun place where I post nothing but flowers and birds and have uh, loved doing that. I love that. And just letting go of you know, the other side of things. And yeah, that's just perfect. It's what, what it needs to be for me, but I, I love what you do there. And, um, I was a big fan of your first book that you wrote with Kimberly Miller, um, boundaries. I always get it wrong. Boundaries from, for, um, for, yeah, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Boundaries for the soul. (laughs) An excellent book. And I remember thinking, oh, I hope that because you are a little, are a little bit more, um, visible, uh, in social media. And, and I just kept thinking, oh, I hope Allison goes on to write another book and here it comes the best of you. And there's always a story behind every book. And I think it's important to hear what was behind you saying yes to another book. Yeah. I, um, I talk about it in the introduction of the book. I I started to kind of piece together these ideas, um, kind of from my own life, but also just from writing every day at post boundaries for your soul and from my practice. And a lot of it was along the lines of, especially as women, but men too, I've had so much resonance with men with this book that I, yeah. I'm like, I'm so sorry we marketed it for women because so many men are like, Oh no, this is me too. And I'm like, Oh, I get it. But it's just cause I am a woman that, you know, and I primarily work with women, but along the lines of just losing ourselves and the messages, how, why, why do so many of us lose ourselves? Why and how, and, and how are we taught this? And and how is this leading to some people leaving the church altogether where I'm like, I don't think it has, I don't, I don't think these, you know, that's what God wants for us. And so as I, just as I began to kind of start to put some words around this in a way that felt like, oh, this is starting, I'm starting to see this. And it, it felt a little bit of that fear and trembling. I remember the day that I really wrote this blog post kind of just going for it. You know, if we're not taught how to know and trust ourselves, we have no choice but to blindly trust other people was what I wrote. And it just felt like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah, like that's not healthy. I sent the blog out and really felt this sort of, I remember so vividly just this like, whoa, something just came out of me that feels really important to me personally of like, that is really not I was really mistaught there. Um, And that led to years of what I go on to call codependency or, or over-reliance on other people versus really developing my own sense of self. And the very next day I had a stroke, long story short, (laughs) out of the blue in my 40s, you know, and, and it was a weird pairing. Um, And yet, and I don't, in the book, I'm not trying to get at the psychology or the spirituality of that pairing, but it was vivid. It was like one day I was like, wow, is this a breakthrough? The next day I'm in the ER and it, it knocked me off for about three or four months. I'm okay. Physically, you know, for the most part, I have very, very minor, you know, they caught it fast, um, really knocked me off. And then I had to go through this journey 
it was really a traumatic. I'd never had a medical event. I'd never been in an ER. I, I think I'd been in an ER maybe once, you know, like, but barely, you know, I never had anything. Um, it was scary, you know, to have that happen out of the blue, not knowing why, what went wrong in my body, all the things. Um, my husband was a widower. He'd lost his first wife. You know, it's just like, this is all too much, you know? Um, and so a few months of just like living the things I teach and then coming back to God and saying, I still think I need to write this book and nothing has changed, even though everything got tested. And I have to say, I'm a big listener to Adam Young and his podcast. Yes. Oh He's my amazing. goodness. He is amazing. He's amazing. Uh, and I, you know, he has a series, a variety of series that have meant a lot to me. One is on spiritual warfare. I'm actually kind of in the middle of it now. And I'm not someone to find a devil under every rock, um, kind of as C.S. Lewis talks about. But um, I, I think it's no mistake that this powerful message that you had put out in this blog post that was maybe foundational to what you were going to write in a book and boom, there you are in the ER. I, I think we can't underestimate those things happening. And um, I'm grateful that you came back from that with all that that entailed, which is not small at all, still with that sense of, yeah, I believe I'm still supposed to write this book. You were not dissuaded by what happened. It was, it, it was, I wasn't, and it was very, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And yeah. It, it took hindsight and the process of writing it to go back to those few months, those three or four months and realize, you know, everything that I try to instill in other people, it, it holds. It's not that pain doesn't still happen. And it's not that we don't get knocked off course. Um, but, you know, that nudge in the hayfield that I write about from God really was the fruit of walking with God for so many years. And you know, I think I say, you know, essentially I was like, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from this life? You know, like I'm, you've got my attention, you know? And um, it really was this, what do you want? And that is ex what, what I heard back, you know, not audibly, but this sense of Allison, what do you want? Mm -hmm. And ironically, that's the exact area where I've struggled. Well, I don't know. Someone else tell me what I want. You tell me what to do you know, some other person tell me what to do. Right. And it was like, no, 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 Allison, what do you want? And not in a, in a challenging way, but in a, this is, you know, and it's just so profound still in my life, this idea that God actually trusts I, us. I, 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 I That's exactly what you should say. Right? I don't want to say should, but, but yes, I have come to see this and believe this, but boy, is that a, a big pattern that you talk about that needs to change, shift, be broken, whatever you want to call it in our lives of, no, this is only a one-way street. No, our, all relationships, including our relationship with God is a two-way street. I talk in the book, I, I, he, he doesn't trust in it. Why wouldn't he? I talk in the book in a one chapter about what I call spiritual codependency, which is this idea we can even then dismiss, bypass, disregard ourselves in the name of following God. And I do not think it's healthy spirituality. And I don't think it's what we see in Jesus. I don't think it's what scripture recommends. Yeah. Uh, why is it that we fall into the, the codependent space so easily? Uh, I feel like it, I feel like, uh, or many, many, um, many of us do. I feel like it is upheld culturally, societally, but also 
in the church. And I, I want to stand up and go, not in the church, but yeah, there too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's an over and, you know, I I look at the pendulum, right. And on one side of the pendulum that we can put the self on the, you know, as the, the ultimate, you know, like I loved the humanists when I was studying psychology, not because I agreed with them, but there is something beautiful about the human spirit, right. But, and I also believe that goes hand in hand with the God who made us. But so the pendulum can swing too far toward the humanism of the God of the self. But then this other side of the pendulum is the self is bad. Bypass the self, deny the self in a way that I don't think is what Jesus meant, right? Betray the self, reject the self. And I, that is another side of that pendulum that is equally toxic. And that's why the needle I'm trying to thread in this book is it's both. It's become your true self in God. We can't do it apart from God. And I think the early, I think Augustine understood this. I think Calvin understood this. We see this in the early church fathers. We see this in Teresa for sure. Um, Something happened maybe in the last couple hundred years, you know, where this rigid self-denial message came about that really so hyper focused on this this idea of you know it's so funny whenever i post about it on social media loving others being means being i need to be a doormat i need to be nobody and it's like what if if we love others as jesus did um that might mean being really bold that might mean being really um harsh sometimes for lack of a better word that might mean right jesus had a very strong sense of who he was you i'm reading from from the book you say when you live from a strong sense of self your yes and your no become strong clear and powerful and i was kind of flipping through the book trying to find this um uh little diagram or or chart chart because i loved it so much you have this chart with selfishness selfhood and selflessness. And I have often seen selfishness and selflessness, but I love that right in the middle of that is selfhood. That to me has been this missing is some of what you're just saying. That is, has been this missing ingredient, at least as I look at things And, and the development and how we develop a sense of self many, many, many years ago, I did not have a strong sense of self. And I remember hearing Jill Briscoe speak, a wonderful mm-hmm. elder saint now. In fact, um, her husband, Stuart, just recently passed mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And I remember Jill saying um, uh, she was growing up, growing and learning. And she said, and then I realized I was empty at the center. I remember mm-hmm. sitting up in my seat in this chapel or wherever I was hearing her speak and going, oh, that's me. I am empty at the center. How And I now today realize that it, I didn't have a strong sense of selfhood. Yeah. You, oh, I, I love this book for many reasons, but that one alone, I think that just that the beautiful way you describe that mm-hmm. with Christ, uh, you know, ex, as Jesus as the example, mm-hmm. uh, it's tremendous. Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't want to forget before we get further on in this, but one of the things I also really like um are good reflection questions. And you've got some really mm. good ones at the ends of each chapters so that oh, you not only take in information and learn, but 
okay, how does it really connect to me? What, let me think a little deeper. Let me go a little deeper with this material. And it gives you a chance to pause and think Mm. and respond. And I love that. Mm. Thank you. Um, So selfhood, you, well, you break things down into sections in the book, uncovering the hidden you. And you talk about selfhood in that, in the beginning, Um, then discovering the best you, expressing the best you, and then the very final part is living the best of you. Um, Yeah, I I should say that expressing the best of you, discovering the best of you, living the best of you, because the title of the book is The Best of You. So um, let's talk about discovering the best of you. Um, I think a really important piece uh, of this, and I'm not sure where you would want to start with this, but I feel like um, a significant piece is learning to find our own voice. And Mm -hmm. this is part of what Mm -hmm. you started talking about, about trusting yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that when we stay so focused on externals, you know, on what does God want? Not that that's a bad question, but, you know, what does, you know, my husband think? What do my friends think? What does these like this external focus, we lose sight of that, that simple question, what do I want? What do I need? And that's actually a holy question. It's not to say that what everything we want is correct, or everything we want, we should get, but it is an important place to start. Jesus asked the question, what do you want, right? And so I look at that as how do I find my voice? How do I know? Because so often when especially in my work with women, I don't know what I want, you know, I don't know. So how do I begin to listen to the inner resources that God has put inside of me, which include my body? What are the cues my body is giving me? What are my emotions telling me? What is the tender, vulnerable place inside that tender child? Uh, in my first book, we call, call, called this the exile, you know, the, the, the wounded part. What is that part of me? need. And it's learning. And again, I never want to say any one of these things is telling us exactly right. You know, sometimes our emotions are saying, you know, I hate that person. And it's not about, oh, well, good, then that's my voice. No, no, no. It's learning to listen for the cues inside. There's a chorus of them. And then leading and guiding yourself. But but knowing that each each one of those things is telling me something. And the story I tell, um, it's about a client, but I could certainly relate to it in my own life about noticing the cues from my body when I've overextended myself. Very simply, I'll feel the anxiety of when a yes is coming out of my mouth that I have no business saying because I have do not have the capacity for that yes. And my body knows. My body is like, ah. Oh. And I've learned. I used to just override that. Well, I that's I should be spiritual. I should always show up for other people. I've learned and I've learned to teach my clients. Oh, that's a great, fantastic cue. That's a, that's my body speaking to me saying, "Uh uh-uh, you're too tired, you know? Um, So it's, it's, yeah. And when I was thinking, even, even as you hear that, you know, yeah, no, your body's speaking to you and you're thinking, (laughs) I'm going to say yes. Uh, And even if you don't feel the strength to say the no, but to say, wait, can I answer you in a day or two? Amen. 
to That's, give space. Yeah. You're not right there with the person. You don't feel that same pressure. Sometimes we just need that if, if we're not feeling especially strong in the moment too, yeah. I think. That's right. <sighs> the pause, the power pause. of the pause. Also, I'm thinking about how um, there are so many choices today. I think this is a piece of how maybe, I'm not sure. I like your opinion, how we got into this struggle of not knowing our own voice because we do have a million people to listen to on every possible outlet that we have. You know, we have every yeah. kind of electronic gadget plus all of uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you know, you name all the kinds that I can't even name because I don't even know them, but we start comparing. And so yeah. we do not know our own mind and, yeah, you know, we're, we read in scripture about knowing the mind of Christ. Well, I think th that's one piece, like you said, that's one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, but what about our, our own mind and how that then interacts with the mind of Christ connects with the mind of Christ as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think I talk about facts, faith, and feeling that, that we, we are, um, we do need to look at the facts of a situation, which is us using our God-given mind, right? That is a yeah. part of it. We're holistic. We have mind, body, heart, spirit, right? And, and God it transcends all of that. God designed our nervous systems, um, our minds, our mental capacity, and that. But that's in ours to control. I mean, that that's ours to um, steward is a better word to look at the facts of a situation and hold that intention mm -hmm. with what we're feeling. Or even what our body is telling us. There, were, there are times where the facts of the situation will demand that we make a sacrifice that we wish we didn't have to make. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah. So right. We, we have to hold these different things in tension. And I just believe the spirit. And, and in, in Boundaries for So we go much more into that spirit-led self, that place inside. But it mm -hmm. is inside, I believe. Yeah. The spirit comes to live inside where we, we hold these different aspects of ourselves intention to kind of navigate our way through life from that internal core place inside. And, and that's, that is a whole body, you know, experience. And I think, um, yeah, I think that's sometimes just a missing piece that we have a role to play in that. We have a mm -hmm. role to play in noticing and it requires quiet. Ah, Right. It requires pulling back from all the voices out there. And it doesn't always mean I'm not an intro raging introvert. I'm right in the middle. So quiet to me sometimes is like, ah, you know, that's just a, you know, there's just going to be, but it, it means figuring out how do I listen to myself? Just taking a walk, help me settle in to what's in my own mind. What's in my own soul, right? What are the yes. things that help me tune into myself? Mm-hmm paying attention. And, and also, so I, I do want to get into talking about shame, not shaming yourself. Um, I heard so many people say, really, I'm this old and I'm just figuring this mm. out. You know, I realize I've said this to myself in my past and finally I realized, oh wait, those are shaming words. Yeah. You know what? No, just think this is wonderful. You are figuring this out period. That's right. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, talk, talk about shame. Um, I am an Enneagram three person. And so it's the underlying um, emotion or underlying passion or yeah, I've got to 
think about that, but that's big for Enneagram threes. And I still can struggle sometimes grasping shame and the place that it plays the voice of shame. Talk a little bit about it. You, I think, write really well about this. Yeah, it's a voice I do think we also need to learn to listen to because it's one we don't want to pay attention to. I love what you just said, by the way, Anita. I'm going to remember that, that we have the, we have these shaming messages around age. They're very subtle, you know, like the one you just mentioned. That was a subtle message, but you're right. It is a way that we shame ourselves. And um, I think it's important to recognize that our own unique relationship. It's insidious. It sneaks in. It sneaks in where we're the most vulnerable. So mm -hmm. when you think of Enneagram, if you think about where, you know, your own, you know, we know, we know our own vulnerabilities and that's where Shan's going to sneak in. Um, and, and just to be aware of that, um, Kurt Thompson, one of my, you know, I just love Kurt. I quote yes. him a lot in the book and I, I, you know, he says, we're never, we're not maybe ever going to, completely er you know, eradicate shame. And I, I think he's right. I think we can reorient to it where we recognize its voice and therefore then don't let it yeah. drive us. And, re and I would even add, recognize it more quickly so that it yes. doesn't go, you know, go for, for down the road as further than maybe it would in the past. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So the fit let you finish that. So he says, yeah, just that we can reorient ourselves and, and, and recognize, oh, that's shame. Oh my goodness. And like you said, much more quickly and more accurately. Oh, and then there's this whole body release. There's just a little bit more lightness. I want to say one more thing that's really been kind of mind bending to me and this idea of thinking about age and thinking about um, healing and the, the process of healing is I always think to myself, we are we are in this for the rest forever. <laughs> so there's, there is no such thing as why not start now, wherever we are, you know, why not? Yes. Because I do think I've learned, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of God is a God of healing. And we, we so often have that translation of salvation or saving as rescue or as a once and done thing, or as something out there, as opposed to it starts right here. And this is an NT right concept. God is bringing healing in now. So let's get started. You know? Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's now. So let's get started. Absolutely. Uh, you, I'm going to read from the book again. You say the voice of shame might mean you're doing something vulnerable, valuable, and brave. And I wrote in the margin, yes, <laughs> exclamation point. Um, I don't think we're, you, that's like a different way of thinking about it for me. It's like, yeah, that voice of shame might mean you're doing something valuable, vulnerable, valuable, and brave. Oh, that made me really stop and think. Um, say think, a little more. Yeah. Yeah. I think I noticed that in my life and I see it in the women I counsel, but the thing is shame doesn't always mean we did something wrong. And, and that's where it plays into our wounds. And it goes into this cocktail of codependency where the minute I say no to somebody and I needed to say no, that was the right thing to do. But it goes against all of my conditioning, which tells me that's yes. bad, you're mean, you just hurt their feelings. And so shame comes in and it's mm. like, oh my gosh, I've learned that. I've learned when shame shows up, I might've done something that I was needed to do. And, and it's just, it's just so fat. And that's how shame, if we're not aware of it, can yeah. really take us off course and keep oh. us hidden and keep us hiding. Mm. 
I, I, you know, I, I sat there for a bit as I read this section of the book and I thought, what, what, what makes me, where do I feel shame? And something came to my mind that I didn't expect. Um, I, I had an injury, you know, probably year and a half ago or almost. And, um, I realized, oh, I had shame. My body had failed me. I've always been athletic. My body failed me. Right. And I wonder, you know, I don't know if that was a point of what, if you felt that at all, even with your stroke, but I think, wow, I didn't expect that to be a point of shame somehow that popped up. And so I think Mm -hmm. pay attention to where and what, what pops up. I think that's very instructive. And it, and it te- leads you right to your wounds. Cause it's like, especially with something like that. Cause it's like, but wait, I, how can I blame my body for something that, right. It, I have no control over. And so really when that happens, it's like the getting curious. It's like, wow, what, what have I believed about myself? What have I, you know, and I, I think that's where shame reveals our areas of wounding our areas of misplaced beliefs or messages but that's where also the healing gets even deeper the heal you know if we can name it and notice it and hear it and then say the healing can get in even deeper because we didn't even realize i didn't even realize that i had this weird pairing between my physical health and somehow i'm responsible for it you know <laughs> right and then so then the, the shame reveals something to me that's like oh my goodness and it just takes you into a deeper level of knowing yourself and knowing god I think about people uh, listening who maybe have shame over something that it's a, a the, the combination of all kinds of reasons why this may happen in someone's life, a divorce and feel so like, you know, so much shame over that. What, what, mm-hmm. what do you say to that person? It's a process. Learn you've got to get specific about what is that message that you've told yourself as a result of that painful event you really and that's why it's counterintuitive why would i want to listen to the voice of shame well there's no other way to retrain yourself than to understand what is it telling you what is it saying specifically and how does that relate to something some message some wound some way that you took yourself to if i was better this wouldn't have happened if I wasn't this. There's usually a lie at the root of that. That is, re- it's a root that that really needs to get dug up. So we got to get to the root of that shaming message because the truth is, you're a beautiful soul made in God's image. The truth is, you've been through some hard things. The truth is, you know, even where there are areas of mistake because we all have them there are areas of where we have been god's putting his finger on those roots in our lives even when we when we have when there are whether we've done something wrong or whether we haven't if god's finger doesn't shame god god puts his finger in our lives and it's like oh wow it's not it's not this toxic spiral of self-hatred. That's not how God works with us. Yeah, that's a, thank you. That's a good reminder and and not just reminder, but someone needs to hear that so that they can start down that road of healing, afraid to go there because they're not thinking that that's how God deals with us handle, you know? Yeah. God takes us in, you know, we see that time and time again in scripture, there's that fearfulness 
you know, we feel that fear before God, but it's not the holy fear. It's the shame, shaming fear. Yeah, for sure. Um, I can't get out of this uh, second section without having you say a word about boundaries, but won't they be mad? The secret to setting boundaries. I feel like every time that's mentioned to someone, they're like, I can't do that. I, can't. I mean, that'll just upset everything. People, totally. uh, people are going to be mad. I'm no <laughs> talk about the importance. And they of- might, and they might be right. That's, I, that's what I'm saying. They might, that is, that's the hurdle we have to get over is, is my goal to make everybody happy. What I, what I describe in the book is to flip that because that's such a hurdle for everybody is so we have to flip it to the yes that I am saying to myself, to my loved ones, to my health, to my healing has to be greater in my mind than the no. And that's about the only way that when you're first starting out, you, you have to be really clear about the good that you're saying yes to that helps you get over that those hurdles of, yeah, this may disappoint someone. This may change them. We we, we, we kind of condition people, we train people how to, how to treat us, what to expect of us. And so we have to retrain them and that's painful. We don't like it. There's a reason we, you know, <laughs> so you got to get really clear about that. Uh, you know, I kind of look at it at the highway, the boundaries are just the rabbit trails. It's like, where am I going that, that I know in my heart, soul, mind and spirit before God and before a few people I trust is where I got to go. Yeah. And it's still painful to say those no's and I don't like it. And I don't want people to be disappointed. But if I'm clear about where I'm going, it, 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 you start to develop that muscle. Uh, it goes back again to selfhood, that strong yes, sense of self. Right. You say in the book, boundaries aren't primarily about saying no to other people. They're about saying yes to yourself and your own work of healing. Just what you said. Uh, you go on to say it's extremely difficult to say no to someone else if no one ever taught you how to stand strong in your own power. That's right. And I think that's that's really... Um, and, and it's another area of shame, right? Uh, we feel shame because we say, oh, I have bad boundaries. I can't say no to people. So then we beat ourselves up for that. I see this all the time with women. And it's like, but how do you say it? The solu- we all need boundaries. It's, it's, it's absolutely foundational. But the problem is you, you can't do it without a strong sense of self. We're missing that ingredient, which is exactly what I was trying to do with this book. I don't get into boundaries, I think, until chapter six, because it's like, there's a lot of pre-work, you know, yes. there. <laughs> Um, also I think what's really interesting is as as I look out, if I, if I would survey the world of my friends or, or just the world in general and people, I know people that I'm drawn to, who am I drawn to? I think I'm drawn to someone with a strong sense of self. Yes. And, um, that, uh, that's very interesting too, just to, to notice that and that that can happen, but you know, just some internal work is, is a part of the process. And some of this stuff can happen by reading a book like yours. I mean, people think I've got to go into therapy. I've got to, you know, uh, well, you, you might need to, there may be something that you need to talk over with someone or spiritual director, but you might need an excellent book, like the best of you. Um, just really powerful. Uh, you know, I think we have so many wonderful resources today that were not available Mm-hmm. 25 years ago. I mean, the things that are at our fingertips today. Yeah. Um, it's really, really amazing. Yeah. Um, talk about part three, express the best of you. I've not gotten that far in the book yet. Mm-hmm. And so what, what are you, what's the importance of moving to that place? I get, you know, discover the best of you. And mm-hmm. those things are really important. 
um, trusting yourself, finding voice, secret to setting boundaries, but what about express the best of you? It's, it's really the practical, how do I show up in my relationships as this person that I want to be, right? Whether it's my parents, my friends, my old relationships, my significant other, God, there's a chapter on showing up with God. And the idea being that once we do then have to not express doesn't necessarily mean lots of words are getting loud. It means I do now have to show up a little bit differently in my relationships. If I want to live more authentically, if I want to live more aligned with who God made me to be. And I really, really try to break it down in that section into the tiniest of, you know, small steps because it's hard. It's one thing to do this work ourselves. It's another thing, you know, to walk into old relationships and start to insert change or forge new relationships from a different place inside. So I really try to break down just small things that you can do. I see it in my own life all the time. It's not a one-time thing. It's like, oh, this is a this is a room I'm gonna walk into where it's gonna be very tempting for me to go back to this old way. What's one thing I need to do? How can I equip myself to show up as I really want to be? And it, it's it's a skill. We don't often realize these things are skills. Thank it's you for magic. saying that. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's um, I couldn't put words to it, but I thought, oh yeah, we we learn, we grow, and we actually we can gain new skills. That's right. You can. Oh, yes. Hmm. Yeah. I also I really love the the charts along the way that you have as well in this section. I can't I'm not sure which chapter it's in, but you have this chart about empowerment and enabling like the those mm -hmm. two things over against each other. And I think just I, I feel like I'm, I've read some some things that I've underlined that I'm like, yep, have done that. am doing that. And then mm -hmm. some things that are new to me that are are worded different. I tell I tell people friends and clients of mine, spiritual direction clients, um, often about the Enneagram, because that's a, mm -hmm. that I like to inhabit, read, uh, read a, a chapter a month in mm. an Enneagram book about your type. Yeah. And then as Suzanne Stabile says, read, um, you need, you need to know as much about the direction you move to and go to in stress, yeah. um, or disintegration as you do about your type. But because if you read that in a different book or even the same book, you know, mm -hmm. a month apart, you see different things. Yeah. You know, right. you read a book like The Best of You, and then you read it again in a month, you mm -hmm. see and highlight mm -hmm. and underline different things because you're a different person um, just right. a month later, right? That's right. Yeah. Something that, because we can only take in so much. So one chapter is like, oh, this is what I needed. And then the next day it's, yeah, yeah that's a really good word about the Enneagram too. I, I really like that because that's, yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Um, what's a highlight for you as you're writing a book? Um, you know, is, is there a particular section that you're like, oh, this is it? Uh, everything, not not that everything else can fall away, but this is my favorite part of the book. <laughs> oh gosh, that's tough. It's like asking you to kind of pick from your your children, <laughs> right? I know because <laughs> I really did. It is such a beautiful process of labor, a labor of love. It's a lot of work. Yes, a lot of work, um, but a lot of labor. Um, I. I really loved, honestly, how chapter five came together, which is the chapter about finding your voice. It was one of the harder chapters for me to write. And I think it's probably not the most perfect chapter, but I do think it's such a, I liked the story of, uh, in, 
um, yeah, I liked the way it ended up and it was probably one of the hardest to write. Mm. And it's the one I look at and go, that could probably be 10 books in and of itself. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it kind of made yeah. peace with it, I guess. Yeah. And then the other section, I would say, I just said this, I, I find myself constantly, it was a, it was a part I wrote kind of, there's a couple of parts I wrote kind of quickly because it's like you're, you're hitting your deadlines was the one about making peace with yourself. I think about that a lot. What does that really mean? And that's in the last chapter. Um, it, the fine, really, the, the one about, um, how will I know I've arrived? It's, is it yeah. in that? Yeah. yeah. And that's a question yeah. people ask all the time. Yeah. How, how I, I always think, how will I know I've arrived? Uh, I'll, cause I'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I will have yeah. arrived yeah. on the other side of eternity. That's, that's how right. I'll know. I mean, cause yeah. we, we don't, we don't really arrive, do we? <laughs> I don't want to no, give away the last chapter, but Spoiler alert, that's basically it's a tongue in cheek because it's like, if you think you've arrived, you have You, you for sure haven't. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah, the cue sure there. Um, what do you hope people walk away from the best of you with? I think just a deeper sense that you have a self and your self matters. And it's not the only thing that matters. Other people matter, God matters, and you matter. And there's work that goes into that relationship, just as there is work that goes into relationship with other people. And just as there's work that goes into your relationship with God, it's the third part of the love others as self, as you know, love God, love others, love self. It is, and it is a part that matters deeply. And I just, I, I'm kind of passionate about it because I do think it's been co-opted. We've pulled the self out of everything. And I don't think that's right. But I do not think it's right to deny it, to bypass it, to disregard it in a way that I think we've also done. It's it's I want people to know that um, God made you. <laughs> um, and, and we know these words, but it, it's really quite astonishing who we can be mm. and what our bodies can do when we really tap. And, and I really think it is the work of our lives and how we will show up in heaven. I mean, I think when I think of a glimpse of heaven, I'm like, it will be seeing the best of you, the best of you, the best yes. of you, the best of me. I was all just thinking <laughs> it's the work of the Christian. It's the work it's of our lives. It's the life. work of someone, yeah. of a follower of Jesus. Amen. But yeah. we don't emphasize this part of it. It's like yeah. Bible knowledge, Bible knowledge, Bible yeah. knowledge. Oh no. Let's become emotionally healthy people. Yes. You yeah. know, you're, you're emphasizing an, a part that is, equally important. And I, and I love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. Great work. Can I just say Thank high five you. you that it's just tremendous and I highly recommend it. So thanks for being here, being on the podcast today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I mean, always, always a joy. Well, there's lots here. And as always, I say to everyone, keep the conversation going.